I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. And I know it's been a minute since the last season of The Electorate ended, and since I've published an episode. And to be perfectly honest, I've been exhausted. Exhausted from the last five or six years, especially being in the thick of heated political debate. And not to mention the pandemic, just digesting the collective loss and the isolation, the lack of childcare, being disconnected from family and friends. It was a lot. So I decided to take an extended hiatus and I'm feeling re-energized now. And I'm also gearing up for the next season of The Electorate, which I promise will air soon. But while I was away, I visited family in New Zealand. And New Zealand is a country, by the way, which has excellent healthcare. New Zealand's healthcare system is a universal public system, and it's one of the top 20 healthcare systems in the world. So that brings me to today's special episode. It's about the Affordable Care Act. And my guest today is Laura Packard. Laura Packard's been on the electorate a few times, and I admire her so much. She's a stage four cancer survivor and an activist and the founder of Healthcare Voices. But Laura is here to talk about the Affordable Care Act. And I wanted to release this special episode because the open enrollment period for the ACA is closing soon. In this episode, Laura and I talk about the latest changes to the Affordable Care Act and how coverage has been expanded and improved in part due to the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed by Congress last year. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the brilliant Laura Packard. Laura Packard, welcome. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's 2023. And also, I was thinking that it's also hard to believe that it's been, I think, 13 years since the Affordable Care Act was signed into law, right? Mm-hmm. And we're now in this year's open enrollment period, which I believe ends on, what, January 15th? Yes. In 49 states, uh, <laughs> Idaho is its own sp- Special case. Um, In 49 states, the deadline is January 15th, unless you have a special um, eligibility circumstance. So like maybe you just moved or had a baby or lost your health insurance or got divorced. Those kinds of things make you eligible to sign up whenever. But for the most part, in most places, the deadline is January 15th. Yeah, and I'm also pleased and surprised that it survived despite Republican efforts to repeal it or destroy it, you know, destroy it in in various ways, including with misinformation, Um, but it's still here. I think that uh, Republicans never really had an answer for what should replace it. And there are millions of Americans that rely on the Affordable Care Act. Um, I'm self-employed. I don't have any other options for insurance. And so there there are not only uh, self-employed people, small businesses, gig workers, uh, people that are in between jobs, and uh, people maybe that are retired early that aren't uh, old enough yet for Medicare. Uh, So there's all these different circumstances as well as in most of the states, they expanded Medicaid so that low-income people in those states get health care through Medicaid. And that's a provision of the Affordable Care Act. No, that's an excellent point. They never had a replacement and they didn't account for the fact that it's been really, really popular, especially this year. I think there've been something like, you know, nearly 2 million signups, or I think something like 1.8 is the exact figure of new signups for this enrollment period alone. And it's not over. Like you said, we have a week to go. Why do you think signups have increased this year? Does it have anything to do with the improvements related to the Inflation Reduction Act? 
Uh, yes, I think that might be uh, some of it. I think is promotion is the uh, Biden administration actually wants people to get healthcare, so they uh, spread the word. So some of it is is promotion and marketing, so that more people know about this opportunity. And some of it is uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, because in the American Rescue Plan and then in the Inflation Reduction Act, there's new provisions to make it more affordable than ever for middle class families. So maybe you made a little bit too much money in the past to qualify for financial help. Now, many more people will qualify because your premiums are capped at 8.5% of your income. So in the past, maybe you didn't qualify for help. Now you do. So do you know specifically what the change was to the current cap of 8.5%? And and what does that mean practically for, let's say, a single person with an average income? I don't know what the average income now in America. I think it's a salary Mm -hmm. of about 50000 thousand a year, maybe a little bit lower than that, or family? Like, what does that mean practically? Well, in the past, it was not capped. So if you made more than 400% of the federal poverty uh, line, which, you know, depends on how many people are in your family, what state you're in, et cetera. So if you were a middle-class family, and that's squarely middle-class, the help stopped at 400%. And if, if you're still a, a working family, you're not by any means rich, uh, your health insurance premiums for you and your family could be quite costly without financial help because it was, it was a cliff. It just cut off right at the 400% mark. But now it's capped to 8.5% of your income. So that means that uh, in the past, you know, maybe 10%, 20%, 30% of your income would have been required to pay for your insurance premium, especially, you know, if you're in your 50s or 60s, if you're older and health insurance is more costly. Uh, so you didn't qualify for help, but health insurance was still too expensive for you. But now that it's tagged to your income as opposed to the federal poverty line, uh, it means a lot more people that really could not afford health insurance can now get it. Oh, I see. So that's actually pretty significant. If there was no cap before, I mean, it could literally just go up to, like you said, 30%. But now being capped at 8.5%, that's actually pretty good. That should help a lot of people. You know, there was one bullet point that I wanted to ask you about that I read coming out from the Biden administration that they they say that four out of five Americans can find coverage options for $10 a month or less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, What kind of coverage can you get for $10 a month or less? Tell me about that. Uh, well, it, it depends on your state and your county and, and what plans are available for you. But the financial help kicks in for silver plans. Uh, all, all the uh, Affordable Care Act plans are based on metals. And so it's uh, bronze, silver, gold, platinum even in some places. So um, based on the silver plan, uh, most people four out of five, will qualify for something at $10 a month or less. So I know that there are a lot of other changes made to the ACA, you know, due to the Inflation Reduction Act. Are there some other significant ones that you want to point out within this last week of the enrollment period? Just that these uh, subsidies that were extended uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act are extended through 2025. So that means we'll be facing the same issue in just a couple of years that we're, uh, they're going to run out. And then we would go back to the time when uh, you only can get help if you make up to 400% of the poverty line. So if you make $1 more, you don't qualify for help and it could, you know, health insurance premium could be a significant chunk of your monthly budget. 
So you mentioned, you know, the Biden administration's efforts at outreach. And from a political standpoint, do you know what kind of outreach they did? And and I'm curious mainly about the fact that, like you said, we've got, you know, two more years and we'll be doing this again. <laughs> are we are we out of the woods for Republicans trying to destroy this? That's a good question. And I don't really have an answer because there are certainly uh, some Republicans that are as committed as ever to destroying the Affordable Care Act. Uh, it's not something that they like to talk about anymore because going after healthcare has become so unpopular, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. Uh, so it remains to be seen, especially remains to be seen uh, because there's such chaos in the U.S. House right now and whether Republicans can actually put together a governing majority to pass anything at all. So <laughs> it might be a very interesting year for Congress. Uh, but in terms of healthcare, that means no good bills, uh, nothing to expand healthcare reach or eligibility, but it means no bad bills either. So right, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. You might see a lot more interesting things happening in the States. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll really have to see what happens this year. And uh, speaking of marketing, uh, I live in Colorado, which has its own state-based exchange. So any advertising and marketing here is done by the Colorado uh, Health Insurance uh, Exchange. Uh, but when I was uh, traveling in Arizona just a few weeks ago, I saw a lot of TV commercials from the U.S. government on uh, on broadcast TV telling you to get covered and go to healthcare.gov. So those those types of commercials and marketing happen in the states that don't have their own exchanges. In the states that have their own, then the state you know collects the money and and determines how the marketing goes. Right, and you know you made an excellent point earlier. It's a hard thing to message when you have to explain to your constituents that you want to destroy <laughs> their health care options, right? When you don't have a replacement, and especially since Obama's name isn't really attached to it anymore formally, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we were calling it Obamacare. No one really uses that anymore. He's not in office. So it's hard for them mm -hmm. to destroy it in the name of Obama. They're just like, we just want to destroy your health care, but we don't have an option <laughs> for you. So <laughs> like messaging wise, that's, that's an uphill battle for them. Mm -hmm. But speaking of your state, I do want to talk about what's happening with health care coverage at the state level, because some really positive things have been happening, not only in Colorado. I know some things that have been happening in New Mexico and Virginia. Can mm -hmm. you tell me what's happening there? Okay. Uh, well, Colorado is one of three states that passed a public option for health insurance. Uh, Washington, state of Washington, already has one in place. And Nevada and Colorado both passed legislation a couple years ago. And it's actually gone into effect in Colorado, uh, not yet in Nevada. So uh, this is the first year that a Colorado public option is available, which in Colorado is private health insurance that has uh, specific guardrails on it for how much they can charge and what services they offer and who's in the network and so on. So we don't know yet since open enrollment is going on right now. Don't know how many people have signed up for it, how successful it will be, uh, but we'll see. And places to take a look at and watch this year for healthcare uh, are uh, New Mexico, uh, West Virginia, Minnesota, and Oregon, and maybe some others. Uh, and in New Mexico, uh, they're working on a Medicaid buy-in strategy, uh, which would enable 
anybody in New Mexico to be able to purchase health insurance through Medicaid, they would just have to uh, pay the cost of premiums for it. And so West Virginia is also looking at something like that. So instead of Medicare for all, it's uh, Medicaid for all (laughs) in those states. Uh, So we'll see if that gets through the state legislatures, but that could open up an affordable health insurance option for thousands, tens of thousands of people in New Mexico and in West Virginia. Minnesota is also working on something like that. Uh, The Minnesota Care uh, Plan, which is their Medicaid health insurance plan for uh, people that uh, made too much for Medicaid. It's their Medicaid expansion plan, basically. They're talking about opening that up to everybody. So again, it's kind of like a Medicaid for all option. And Oregon is working on uh, something kind of similar, helping people that make a little bit too much for Medicaid, but um, they shift in and out of eligibility, which means that uh, they can lose access to their doctors and their treatments and so on. Because if you make a little bit too much this month, you lose your Medicaid, and but then maybe you get it back the next month. So that kind of churn is bad for people's health. So they're working on a bridge plan to cover people up to, I think it's uh, 200% of the poverty line uh, or maybe higher, and then maybe opening that up to everyone as well. So basically... Uh, Pay attention to your state. See what they are doing to make health insurance and healthcare more affordable. And uh, be sure to contact your legislators if they're working on something or if they aren't and you think they should be. Now, I just have to say, going back to the public option, how many states have a public option now in total? Do you know? Uh, So right now it's three. It's Washington, uh, Colorado, and Nevada. But Nevada hasn't taken effect yet. I see. You know, I am old enough to remember back in 2016, maybe a bit earlier when we were talking about the public option, and that was seen mm-hmm. as really progressive, a really progressive mm-hmm. direction. So if if that was something that you were advocating for back in 2016, that cycle, it's good to see that there's some states who are actually doing this. <laughs> well, I think that it has been, I, I mean, right now, structurally, it's hard to pass reform on the federal level because there's this whole filibuster to deal with in the Senate. So instead of getting 50 votes, you need to get 60 votes. And you need to get a majority in the House and so on. So that's why we've seen a big legislation on healthcare be very rare. Uh, first with the Affordable Care Act, which was uh, 2009, uh, 2010, and then the American Rescue Plan slash uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which just happened recently and has a whole lot more things besides just the Affordable Care Act, but we can talk about that. Uh, so, so we're seeing this happen in, you know, like maybe once a decade, a big bill gets through. So it's just a lot easier to do stuff on the state level. Yeah, that makes sense. And the states that are trying to enact a Medicaid buy-in, New Mexico and Mm -hmm. West Virginia, for instance, you know, is that you said that's hinged on the state legislatures and how they what direction they go? Yes. So in New Mexico and West Virginia and Oregon and Minnesota, all four, they are working on um, passing bills through their state legislatures this year. So you will find out in the next few months, since all of their state legislatures end in spring, summer, 
Um, it's, it's not full-time year round like Congress is. Uh, so you'll see in the next few months, uh, what happens where and when, and, uh, hopefully we start seeing other States experiment based on what some of the, uh, healthcare leaders, uh, go through. I, I think it's exciting that we're seeing that constituents can have much more expansive health care at the state level, and it depends on their mm-hmm. state legislatures. But if you're someone who's outside of the states where things are kind of moving ahead very quickly, you know, what mm-hmm. can you do? Because I know that you're an activist, Laura, right? And mm-hmm. people actually have more power in their states than they realize. If you were someone mm-hmm. in one of these states that wanted, you know, their state to take on a Medicaid expansion or a buy-in, mm-hmm. you know, what would you advise them to do? Okay. Well, first of all, if you live in Wyoming, Kansas, Texas, Wisconsin, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, or Florida, that's 11 states, they have not expanded Medicaid in their state yet. And what that means is that working class families cannot afford health care because health insurance costs are too high. Um, and, and they don't qualify for any financial help to pay for it. So that means that people uh, under about 166% of the poverty line, working class families uh, cannot get health care, uh, just period. They, ca- they cannot afford a policy. And so this is something that those states should have done nearly a decade ago now, because um, this this is all part of the Affordable Care Act in the first place. And so states should have expanded Medicaid to cover low-income people in their state. But these 11 states did not, because unfortunately, the Supreme Court made it optional instead of required. The Affordable Care Act was written for it to be required that all states would cover low-income people with Medicaid, and then higher-income people would get their insurance through the Affordable Care Act, and then they would qualify for subsidies at various levels to help pay for it. But these states are missing the piece that helps people that are closest to at the poverty line. So pe- people that are really just trying to make ends meet can't get health care in their states. And uh, the state legislatures are all meeting now. And so if you live in one of those 11 states, you absolutely should be contacting your state representative and your state senator and telling them, expand Medicaid now. And in places uh, like uh, Nebraska or just recently in South Dakota, uh, the legislature refused to do it. So they did, uh, advocates ran a ballot initiative. They put the question to the people. And in every time that this has gone before the people, the people voted for health care. So uh, South Dakota is just the most recent example, but Missouri is another one that if you put this on the ballot, people choose yes, but their representatives are standing in the way. So first thing you should do, if you're in one of those 11 states, contact your state representatives. Make sure that they hear from you that this is not something they can ignore like they have been doing for nearly a decade, but they need to do it. Uh, If you live in a state that has expanded Medicaid, but uh, there's still more to do, uh, then you should contact your state representative and state senator and ask them to do something about the costs of health insurance, uh, the costs of prescription drugs. Uh, Colorado, for example, has a cap on uh, insulin prices. Some states are doing um, insulin pricing in specific or prescription drugs in general. So you should contact your back to state legislators, tell them 
to do something about prescription drugs, healthcare costs in general, health insurance. I think that's excellent advice. So um, just to repeat, you know, probably it, it would probably be worth it to look at some of the other states and seeing what they're doing to see how you could actually benefit in your state and then take that to your state representatives and call them and say, you know what, you know, New Mexico's doing this or West Virginia's doing this. Mm-hmm. And this would really help me and my family and a lot of constituents in our state. And I want you to do the same. Right. And this is also mm-hmm. a really good reason to pay attention to those down ballot races, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to see who is being elected to, as your representative at the state level. And, you know, run a ballot initiative. I love that advice. So, mm-hmm. um, so tell me about Oregon Measure 111, because that just passed in November, and that seems like a really big deal. Oregon uh, Measure 111 is one of many healthcare victories that just happened in the November election. Uh, Oregon voters voted for healthcare as a state constitutional right. Uh, what that means and how it's going to be executed sort of remains to be seen. And that's why if you're in Oregon, pay attention to your state legislature because they are working on the bridge plan for health insurance for lower income people, but uh, figuring out how to make affordable plans available to everybody is now something that's in the constitution. And uh, we'll see. And actually, I want to get to, to your show, Care Talk, because you probably talk about these different state level issues at mm-hmm. a lot in, in detail. Yes. So I have a show called Care Talk that airs on Mondays at 4.30 Eastern on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Roku, Fire, etc. on Act TV. Uh, and then it's released as a podcast the next day. So if you prefer podcasts, it's available as a podcast. Uh, it's also available live if you prefer video. So on this show, we start by answering your questions about health insurance. So uh, if you have questions about what you're eligible for, what you should do, all those questions, we have experts answer them at the beginning of the show. And then for the second half of the show, we have experts come on and talk about uh healthcare topics. So for example, on our last show before the holiday break, we had some advocates from Arizona talk about the ballot initiative they just passed to uh, limit uh, medical debt. And our show coming up, we're going to be talking about the high cost of prescription drugs and what the Inflation Reduction Act will do about it. So every week is a different topic, but we answer your questions every week as well about Medicare, about the Affordable Care Act. Just keep sending in your questions and we'll get you answers. Excellent. So absolutely tune into that to Care Talk because Laura goes into much more detail than we can in this one episode. And also just to restate that we have one week, January 15th, that's when the open enrollment closes. So, you know, please be sure to, to, you know, where do people actually do that to take advantage of the open enrollment period? Uh, Well, you start by going to healthcare.gov. If you live in a state with its own state-based marketplace, healthcare.gov will route you to the right place. So uh, healthcare.gov is where you begin and you plug in your estimated income for this year and it'll tell you what you qualify for. And also if maybe if you even qualify for Medicaid or uh, other uh, health insurance options, it'll tell you that too. So that's where you start, healthcare.gov. And also on the site, it will show you uh, what local uh, assistance is available if you want to talk to somebody over the phone or face-to-face if if you have more questions. So start at healthcare.gov. It is free. It is also free to get help. So uh, nobody along the way should be charging you anything for this, except for, you know, when, when you pay for a policy. All right, you have nothing to lose taking advantage of this right now. So 
Well, Laura Packer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure talking to you again. Happy New Year and good luck on your show, Care Talk. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. And if people have health insurance questions, uh, find me on social media, L Packard on Twitter for as long as Twitter still exists. <laughs> or you can find me, Laura Packard Activist, on Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much.